Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We speak today to Joe Hamilton, CEO and Chairman of Unigold. They've got an exploration project in the Dominican Republic. It's 18 years in the making, so hardly an overnight success, but with a cash injection from the likes of Eric Spraw to Cisco and Rob McKeon in October, it may allow this project a new lease of life. Enjoy the podcast. Hello, Joe. How are you, sir? I'm very well, thank you. Sheltering in place. Where, where is that place? Uh, just outside of Toronto in Ontario and Canada. I'm right. about uh, an hour east. Hour east, okay. And what's, what's that behind you? from Egyptology. <laughs> Behind me, that is the uh, the Book of the Dead. Uh, it's a uh, it's actually a resurrection story um, from uh, from Egypt. Right. I sort of like the theme behind it. You like the theme, resurrection. Okay, well let's let's get into the resurrection stories. Let's talk about you. Give us that one minute overview, and then we'll pick it up from there. Oh, easy enough. Uh, Unigold's been involved in the Dominican Republic for uh, approximately 18 years now. Um, we've spent over $43 million, uh, 125,000 meters of drilling, most of it in uh, on one deposit, the Candelones and Candelones Extension Deposit. Uh, we've got about a 2 million ounce resource there. Um, and over the course of the last year and a half, uh, we've spent our time on infill drilling, doing metallurgical work and moving this towards an economic decision. Uh, so with all of that, um, you know, 2 million ounces in resources, uh, it's about a $15 million market cap, uh, Canadian. Uh, so I think there's a fairly good value story here as we move it down the value chain towards an economic decision. Okay, great. Thanks for that summary. Um, 18 years in the making. So it's not an overnight success. So what have you decided recently in terms of changing the, the story up? Because I think we were talking before you, you have worked outside of the Dominican Republic, but you've, you, you've come back home to the Dominican Republic to kind of create some value. So when was that decision made to focus on this project and what is it that you're trying to do? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting question. The, the project itself really only took flight in 2010 uh, when a number of new shareholders came on board. Uh, we went into the Dominican Republic, uh, drilled about 35,000 meters of drilling and defined a maiden resource in, in early 2012, which we put out in, in uh, 2013. Um, that was a large, low-grade, uh, pit-constrained resource. And then, of course, the gold price slid quite dramatically in 2014, um, which caused us to go back and reconsider the drilling that we'd done. We found a number of high-grade zones uh, within the drilling that hadn't been followed up. Most of the drilling was done at 100-meter centers. Uh, so in 2015 and 2016, we went back in and drilled at uh, closer space drilling around some of the high-grade material. And in 2015, we put out a high-grade resource which ran about five grams per ton, about 900,000 ounces. Uh, that allowed us to, um, to start looking at underground uh, scenarios for, for eventual production. Then in 2017, the concessions lapsed in early 2017, and, and we had to reapply for concessions. Uh, it took a number of years to get those concessions back, primarily because the government wanted us to move to production. Um, we eventually did get the concessions back as exploration concessions and started work again in 2019. And we've had great success, if you look at any of the press releases, uh, drilling some of these high-grade zones um, since then. So we continue to add to it, and the idea is to move this towards an economic decision 
uh, towards the end of this year. So what does that actually mean, make an economic decision? What, what are you going to have in place? Well, there is, uh, we've identified an oxide resource, which is a, a near surface, uh, fairly low hanging fruit, uh, good metallurgy, easy to recover um, as a starter area uh, to start production. Uh, and that's, we're probably looking at something between 30 and 50,000 ounces a year out of the oxide as a starter for three to four years. Uh, but then there's there's certainly a higher grade potential. We have to understand how we can access that, whether it's from open pit. Some of the mineralization is is within 50 meters of surface. Um, the bulk of the high grade though seems to be below 200 meters from surface. Whether we want to access that with an underground ramp, uh, we still have to go through those trade-off studies. So an economic decision comes down to basically a, a PEA or pre-feasibility study. Okay, but no one's funding you off, off the back of a PEA. So how, how do you get into production? No, the, I mean, obviously the, the PEA is the start. Uh, a pre-feasibility study, feasibility or detailed engineering are all things that need to be done. We need to start somewhere. We're currently doing metallurgical work, which will inform uh, process designs, uh, which will help us get towards the PEA. The, the preliminary feasibility study, which is done immediately after that, which we would expect to see early next year, uh, those studies would certainly be able to um, give us better designs. But of course, we need to do the groundwork first. We have a resource, metallurgy is coming, and then we need to understand um, what capital costs and operating costs look like. And that's the idea behind the PEA to start with. Okay. Uh, but you know, they, these things are a chain, um, and you really can't skip links in the chain. Right, okay. So you, it's, it, it's, early, it's early days. You, you, you've got something. It, it doesn't sound very big. I mean, you, did you say 30 to 50,000 ounces over three to four years for the oxide component? That, that is correct. The oxide component is a small, uh, I, I would call it a starter pit or a starter operation. Right. Do you expect that to be economic? Oh, without a doubt. Uh, the, the metallurgy that we've done to date uh, shows that um, we can get, if, if we were to use a, a, a vat leach or a tank leach, uh, we can get about a 95% recovery from that in about, uh, in about 24 hours. In a heap, it looks as if it will be two to three weeks to get uh, upwards of 80 to 85% recovery. In a heap. Uh, that's all running at about a gram per ton, should be a dump leach. The economics on that should be very good. Okay. I, I guess what I'm trying to get at is, you know, how do you go about planning this thing with kind of, well, how much cash have you got today? Let's start with that. Uh, the cash in the bank at this point is about $250,000. Right. Uh, we raised $3 million last um, uh, last late September last year mm -hmm. uh, and did about a 14,000 to 15,000 meter drill program since that time. Right. So you're cutting it fine, 250 bucks. That's, uh, that's not going to last too long, right? So what are you doing about that? Are you in discussions at the moment? Uh, positively. We've, we've got a number of... Um, of uh, CAs out with a, with a number of companies that are going through our data room at this point in time. Uh, we'll also look to raise some money. We, we have a fairly good list of shareholders that have supported us all the way through. Eric Sprott owns about 20% of the company. Uh, Rob McEwen is at about 10% on a partially diluted basis. The officers and the directors uh, own about 7%. Um, we've, uh, we also have a Cisco uh, royalties, which own uh, just over 10% of the company. So all things considered, all of those shareholders have supported us uh, along the way, and I suspect that they will continue to support us as we as we go forward. So raising more money has never been an issue for us. Uh, we we seem to be able to get it when we need it. Uh, but what we need to do is we need to tick off the boxes as we go through. We want to show people that we're moving forward with projects. But, but you're, you're raising it at 
you know, discounts because you know you're cutting it to the to the wire here, aren't you? So the, therefore, your negotiating power is is somewhat restricted in a way. So how so how much money are we talking about raising? You know, when you go through this process, well, you're going through this process now. So how much are you talking about? Uh, for the next steps between now and the end of the year, we need approximately two to two and a half million dollars to complete our uh, economic studies. Most of the drilling's been done. Most of the infill drilling's been done. Uh, it's a matter of going through desktop studies at this point and doing the engineering. Um, after that, of course, it depends on what we'll need to do as far as uh, further permitting. Uh, there, there's certainly going to be some environmental work that we'll have to do. Um, there's always community relations work that needs to be done. Uh, but in addition, there'll be some expansion drilling, I'm sure. These deposits are still wide open. Uh, we've only drilled them to about 350 meters below surface. So, uh, you know, once again, for an exploration company, it's always dependent on uh, the context of the market, I think is the easiest way to describe it. Uh, you know, you raise funds when you can, and you do work when you can. Um, it's fairly, uh, you know, it's fairly difficult without having an operation with uh, consistent cash flow to fund exploration. Uh, you know, it needs to be done through the capital markets. Right. There's just, uh, there's no other way to do it. No, so, it, it, okay, you've got a dilutive race coming up, but it's going to allow you to do the program that you want to do. I guess what I, I'd be interested in understanding is in what's going up on a in your head with regards to the order of play because you've kind of got a relatively small oxide play which you think could be economic obviously early days but you suspect from your experience it could be and then you've got a larger sulfide play which which is you know does look attractive um where do you spend your time and effort and how do you make that decision well it's part and parcel of the same operation as far as i'm concerned the the oxide it's fairly small but it's it's merely the start of uh, of a larger operation. The underground potential of this, uh, you know, we we've got areas in our underground that's running, you know, fifteen to twenty meters consistently uh, at uh, ten to fifteen grams per ton. Uh, those kind of widths over the, uh, you know, we've shown them to be uh, continuous as well. Those kind of widths, once we can access those, should be able to support one hundred and fifty to two hundred thousand ounce a year producer. Uh, but we need to start somewhere, and you always start with low-hanging fruit, the, the thing that's the easiest to get at. The oxide's at surface. There's almost no strip to it. It drapes over top of a hill, uh, so it's really an earth-moving exercise more than anything else. Low capital to start, uh, and can generate significant cash flow in the first few years of an operation. Uh, and that capital can then be utilized to build the rest of the operation to expand it. Okay, okay. So it seems to make sense to me to start with that, show uh, the market and show investors that there is, um, that there's potential for that and that it's relatively easy to get at. It's a low capital. I would suggest that between 20 and $40 million uh, would be the maximum outlay for getting a small heat leach in production um, to produce over 100,000 ounces in, in a three to four year period. Okay, okay. So you're in the Dominican Republic. I imagine they've been like everyone hit with the COVID-19 situation. Um, before that, I know it as an eco-tourism destination with some fine bars. What's it actually like to mine there? How's the mining code? And what's your interaction with the, uh, with the, with the mining um, ministry? Uh, the mines ministry has been quite supportive of everything we want to do. Uh, you know, it, as an anecdote, um, when we came to renew this concession, and, and the way that the Mining Act works in the Dominican Republic is that uh, exploration concessions are granted for a three-year period, and then there's two automatic one-year renewals. Uh, 
um, after that. At the end of five years, a company has to reapply for the concession again, although the existing concession holder is given preference. Um, and then there's an exploitation permit, which is good for 75 years, but needs to be supported by uh, some kind of an economic study, uh, which shows the government that, uh, that a mine can go into operation at that area. One of the things that the government uh, wanted us to do the last time we came uh, to renew this is they wanted us to go for an exploration, uh, sorry, exploitation permit or a mining permit rather than reapply for an exploration permit. They were very supportive and, and were pushing us towards that. So, um, you know, the, the government wants to see more mining in the country. And I think that we can certainly uh, get there. They're very supportive. The country itself is probably the largest economy in the Caribbean. Uh, you know, deep water ports, five international airports, um, you know, exports. There's more to the Dominican than just tourism. Um, you know, there's there's certainly cement plants. There's there's plenty of agriculture uh, and a good set of exports that come out of there as well. So mining is a small piece that keep in mind Pueblo Viejo is there. That is Barrick and Newmont's arguably their best uh, single mine. Uh, it's it's being expanded to about a million ounces a year at this point. So mining is a big piece of the Dominican Republic. Okay. So why did, why did your concessions lapse? You explained they wanted you to go for exploitation versus exploration. I get that. But why were they allowed to lapse? Well, it's not that they're allowed, that they just do lapse. We, we were well in advance of applying for them again. Uh, we've applied, we've held this concession for over 20 years at this point. Uh, this is our fourth renewal. Um, and we've managed to renew it uh, without any difficulty, uh, you know, every time that we've come up for it. It's, it's a fairly straightforward process. Um, it doesn't cost uh, anything to renew it, but you do need to follow the mining code and do need to follow the application process. Um, so once again, exploration concessions are, are granted for a maximum of five years, uh, you know, subject to uh, reports and work. But what it does is it allows the government, if people are not working concessions uh, and they're not spending any money, then the government every five years has the ability to hit the reset button and uh, try to attract someone else in to do exploration. And that's the logic behind the five-year exploration concession. Okay, but the the I guess the, the government you're suggesting we're a little bit frustrated that you're not getting going for the exploitation uh, permit. Um, are, they, are they getting frustrated with you because you've been there a long time and you're not motoring? You're not, you know, hitting their timeline. There's no question. We we spent uh, close to 14 months uh, discussing with the government um, the history of the project. Uh, what our engineering was. I mean, keep in mind that this, when we started with this concession, it was a 20,000 hectare concession. There's there's 17 individual areas within the concession that show um, airborne geophysical and geochemical signatures. Uh, you know, we had to go through and assess those until we found uh, one or two that we could spend our time on. Uh, at which point, um, you know, then, then you are at the mercy of the gold price movements and you're at the mercy of the markets because we are exploration. Um, but on the other hand, we have spent $43 million in country uh, over the course of the last uh, you know, 15 years. Most of that has been spent since 2010, uh, proving up these deposits. So we're probably the largest um, exploration company in, in the country. Uh, we've certainly spent the most amount of money and been there more, more consistently than any other company. Um, you know, that's not a complaint of the government. Their, their complaint was that uh, they would like to see more mining revenue come in. Hence, they would like to grant more mining concessions. Um, but in order to get the work done, as you know, the capital markets require a fair amount of engineering work 
before you move forward for financing of uh, uh, or putting something into production. Um, when I started in this business, uh, mind you, it was 30, 35 years ago, the average lifetime uh, or requirement from a, a discovery drill hole until something went into operation was somewhere around six to eight years. Uh, today, it's close to 24 years. Um, and that's mainly because of permitting, corporate social responsibility, environmental work, and engineering that needs to be done, as well as the capital markets needing the information. 24 years. That's what it is you're, now. You're going with that number? It's discovery for production. You're sticking to that it's, number? Uh, I'm sticking to it. If uh, Look around. There's very few deposits that, um, that are found and put into production uh, in a decade. Okay, so if the government are frustrated, your shareholders must be even more frustrated. If you spent 43 million bucks, market cap today 14 million, and we are not that close to getting into production, what are you gonna? What do you, What are you gonna do? What are you going What do you need? Think you need to say to people to say we now have a plan that's gonna get us to a point where we can make a decision about maybe making some money because there's still a long ways to go. You're going to raise some money now. You're going to make a decision soon an economic, based on the economics. It's going to be too early to maybe get funding off the back. You're going to raise some more money to, you know, to move it through to you know feasibility stage where you may be able to get into production. It feels like a long way away still. So how are you going to accelerate that process? Well, the easiest way is to do the studies. Um, you know, we're, we're through mother, we've shown that mother nature has endowed the area and endowed the Candelones and Candelones extension area with some significant grades, tonnages and thicknesses of mineralization. The next step now is to, is to let humans get in there and do the engineering that's required. Uh, step number one is the metallurgy on it. Um, we've done a number of metallurgical studies. The ones we're doing now will, will be the final metallurgical studies that allow us to nail down on a process, process plant design which then allows us to move towards capital cost estimates uh, and understanding what the capital costs will look like. Um, you know, that work will be done in the next month and a half. It should be completed and we'll be able to get that into the market. Uh, the next step after that is, is to do the capital cost estimates. We expect that will take till September, October of this year. Uh, and then that will let us, uh, once we've done those estimates, let us also look at the operating cost estimates. Once we get those together, we can, we can then make a case for the markets that um, that this is an economic deposit and it can stand alone and it can go ahead, but without proof, uh, you know, there's plenty of people uh, from all kinds of CEOs of all companies that will tell you uh, that they have an economic deposit. But I think it's best to let the experts and let, let independent experts uh, verify that and put it out in the form of a technical study that shows people that it can be done. Um, that's what we intend to do this year. That was one of our tasks when we started in early January and we're on track to do that. Remind me how Eric Sprott got involved with this. Uh, Eric bought, in our last financing, Eric bought uh, about 20% uh, of the company in that financing. Uh, that was done in September last year. Um, so he's been involved since then. It's, you know, he has put a significant amount of money. He's probably uh, the largest investor in mineral exploration pro projects around the world in the last uh, year and a half. Uh, he's certainly put a lot of money in. Um, and I think his his objective is that uh, he wants to see things that have, uh, you know, the ability to go forward. In other words, some resources behind them, and then uh, the ability that at least a hope of getting into production at some point in the next cycle. Okay, yeah, because it, it feels to me there's a, there's a distinct cutoff. If you've come in when Eric has, you've got good value. If you're in before that, 
you're in a whole world of hurt and pain and perhaps not so pleased. You know, you spent a lot of money on this and it's gone. Um, you're going to need to spend a bunch more money on this thing to be able to release the value under the ground. So it feels like a good time for new people coming in, but what, what do you say to the guys who are well underwater on this? Are they ever going to see their money back? Well, that's, uh, I, I wouldn't want to tell you what my average cost base is. Uh, I've participated in every financing since I got involved in 2010. Yeah, but you get a salary. Uh, certainly under- You're picking up a salary. I'm talking about shareholders who are just reliant on the shares to make money, right? So it's a diff- uh, different... I, no, is the short answer. I, I started getting paid a salary in October last year when I took over the role as CEO. Uh, I've been chairman of the company since 2010, but haven't collected a salary over that time besides chairman's fees. Um, or board fees, uh, but those are rather meaningless numbers uh, considering the work that's done there. So I, I would um, I disagree, respectively disagree with you on that. Uh, but there's also, you know, what do I say to those shareholders? Uh, thank you for supporting us over time. Uh, the verities of the market, um, you know, make stocks go up and down. That's the issue. Uh, I would suggest to you that our shareholders get to wake up every morning and decide whether they want to continue to hold the stock. Uh, for directors and for people that are in management, we don't get that luxury. Uh, we are married to the company for as long as we decide to be there. Uh, I've been here for 10 years and we continue to move this forward and continue to push on it. But I've also been through three sets of management. Um, so, you know, there is there is some longevity. The board itself is pretty consistent. Um, the people we have on the board are fairly consistent as well. Uh, but, you know, it's it's not easy um, if, let's put it this way, if exploration was easy, everyone would have a mind. Um, trying, to, uh, trying to dictate um, you know, how the market's going to behave and how the market's going to react is, uh, is not always easy. I, no, I, get, I get that. I think people have got choices. You know, this is high, high risk, high return or no return. Um, and I think that's understood. But you've, been, you've been through three sets of management team. Why is this, t- why is this time going to be any different? Uh, that's you know great question. Uh, I guess it's going to be different because I'm in charge. Of it. But you've been chairman since 2010. Were, were you passive or not involved? And what was the relationship between you and the management team? No, I, I, I was not an executive chairman or an executive board member. Uh, you know the the management we have were qualified. They were capable, uh, and they were certainly doing the job. Um, you know, as far as we were concerned, uh, we uh, you know as, or we as far as the board is concerned. Uh, you know, we, we were able to watch, uh, execute our oversight and, um, and get through it. And, and we did move the project forward. I mean, in 2010, there was a 400,000 ounce uh, resource uh, at just uh, about a gram. Uh, by the time we finished drilling in 2012, we'd expanded that to 2 million ounces. Um, you know, by the time we got through the gold price decrease and came into 2015, uh, we'd shown that the grade had gone from, you know, 1.5 grams, we could get it up to to almost five grams. Um, so, you know, we, we have moved the project forward. I, I would suggest that uh, we've been moving it fairly steadily forward. Um, but, you know, like most exploration companies, these are start and go, so, sorry, stop and go. Uh, it's, uh, it's very difficult to keep things rolling, um, you know, over an extended period of time. Uh, you know, even over two years and you know, over the, the market since 2010 has been very difficult. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, there are a lot of people telling the same story. So. What's, what sets you apart? Why should people be listening to you, especially with the track record? Why, should, why listen now? Uh, well, I think the reason to listen now is because we've done the groundwork. Um, you know, 
we're we are miles ahead of most uh, exploration companies that are just starting with um, you know with grassroots or even brownfields exploration. Uh, you know, we've identified a resource. It's it's expanding and it's open. Uh, we've identified the uh, certainly the way that uh, we believe the path forward for it is. Uh, we haven't yet put down the economic or capital cost numbers, but we'll get that this year. Um, so at this point, this is where we are. Uh, let's say adding the true value to the deposit. You can do it through the drill bit, uh, which I think we've done. Um, but you know, it's it's very difficult when you um, when you. Uh, are doing work at a $1,500 gold price and the gold price slides to $1,100. Uh, and, and then investors find other places to go. Um, it's, you know, as a, as a director, it's difficult to say how you can keep your stock price up when there's more sellers than buyers. And that's what happens in, in this environment when, when the gold price is sliding, uh, you know, people, uh, people take their money elsewhere. The last, uh, you know, the um, COVID uh, panic selling in the market in, in March um, you know, was nobody could have stopped that. Uh, that was just liquidation. So, you know, why do people want to get involved in this from this point forward? Um, I think because we're at a uh, we're at a turning point for this deposit, and I think we'll get great support, and I think we'll be able to put an economic um, an economic mine into operation over the course of the next five years in the Dominican Republic. We've got great support from the community and great support from the government to do that. So, uh, it's just a matter of making sure that we cross all the T's and dot all the I's. And get some money in. You need that. You need that money in now. There's always money in, but I, you know, there is. Uh, this deposit is fairly rare, um, and I think that uh, once we show people that uh, that there is a path forward for this deposit, uh, I'm not sure we'll be the ones that are financing. Joe, sounds like a great story. You have got a bit of work ahead of you. Good luck with the race. Um, and I and I do hope Eric Spot and the Cisco and Mr. McKeon follow their money. It would be a big message to the market, but you know those guys are in a lot of company. They've placed a lot of bets um, of this sort of level. So um, let us know how you get on with that, and obviously good luck with the rest of this year and getting that PEA in place because I think that could be the moment this company looks like it's actually moving forward with some degree of pace. Yeah, I, you know, I tend to agree. And, and things for the investors to look for over the course of before the PA comes out is, of course, we'll have news on our metallurgy showing that uh, the sulfide component of this deposit could be recovered. It will be important. Uh, we're cautiously optimistic with the uh, with the things we've seen so far, uh, but the final report and that news should be out in the next uh, in the next four to six weeks at the latest. Uh, you know, that will give people a, a good step forward. Uh, the next piece of news after that for investors would be. Um, looking at uh, the oxide resource and understanding what strip ratios and what pit designs look like for an oxide resource so you can get an idea of, um, of both the metallurgy and what the oxides can do for us. Uh, and then following that, a, um, a resource estimate on the sulfides. I think we, we are intending on putting that out before the end of the year. We may accelerate that because it looks as if we won't be drilling for the next three or four months. Uh, so it would make sense to accelerate um, the resource estimate that we have now uh, for the sulfides uh, with the drilling that we've got to date. So all of those things will move, I think, the share price forward and, and certainly the story forward. Uh, and all of that will culminate in some kind of a PEA towards the end of this year. Okay. I, th I think that's the key word people are going to take away from this is accelerated. They want to see accelerated, lots of things. So um, good luck, Joe. Thanks so much for taking time out of your day. I uh, appreciate it. Give us a call when you've got something to say. We'd be delighted to take that call. Absolutely. Thank you.
Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to CruxCast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.